Welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast's first season, Scary But True Campfire Stories, brought to you by Dudes Camping, hosted and narrated by Matthew S. Newbold. Thanks for listening, and please spread the word, tell your friends, tell a flat earther, post it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other social media outlet that controls what you think. Our goal is to share true stories of the strange, supernatural, ghostly, and unexplained as we gather around the virtual campfire. Or maybe you are sitting around a real campfire right now. Maybe you have a strange but true story that you'd like to share. Email us at dudescampingstories at gmail.com with your own Bigfoot, UFO, ghost, or unexplained supernatural story, and we'll consider it for broadcast. Don't forget to visit us on YouTube and Facebook at Dudes Camping. This next tale is a true story about an incident that happened to me. A creepy visitor in the middle of the night. Was I able to thwart an alien abduction? Did I discover the real cure for hauntings? Sit back, relax, grab some s'mores, and enjoy The Creepy Night Visitor. Four years after the episode with the Ouija board, I found myself very interested in the supernatural and occult. I began reading every UFO and abduction book I could get my hands on, from Whitley Streamer to David Jacobs. As might be expected, it made me incredibly scared to sleep at night. I wasn't a committed believer in the occult. I was just dabbling with it. But the truth is, nobody dabbles with poison or chews it to see what it tastes like. You don't dabble in the occult, either. Once you open a door, there is only one way to shut it. There was a strange book that floated around our house belonging to the Time Life series on the supernatural. It was called Psychic Voyages, a book about astral projection, near-death experiences, reincarnation, and I was intrigued. I read through the entire book and decided that I would try astral projection myself. The book actually gave step-by-step instructions on how to leave your body. I thought, it mustn't be that bad if my parents didn't forbid it and Time Life published it. You were supposed to lay perpendicular with your feet facing in a westerly direction. I never bothered with that part. What does it matter which direction your feet face? You would try to experience a sense of calm rising up your body, starting at your toes and ending at your head. Then, supposedly, you could just get up and walk right out of your form. Easier said than done. I tried several times with no luck. Sometimes it would actually help me fall asleep, but I was never able to leave my body. One time, I was letting the calm flow from my toes to my head, and my whole body began tingling. I felt this might be it. I'm just going to fly out and go visit China when all of a sudden, I fell backwards through the bed and through the floor. In an instant, I came right back into my body like a rubber band snapping with such force that it shook the bed. It was a horrible feeling, and it scared the crap out of me. I never tried that again. When I provoked the spirit in the Ouija board four years earlier, I believe I opened a door to a realm that I wasn't prepared to handle. The culmination of my shallow dealings in the occult all came to fruition on a weeknight in November. It was a month after I had turned 17, 
and I still had one of the helium birthday balloons floating inches off the floor of my extremely untidy room. I was definitely not known to be orderly, but I never had a problem finding anything I needed. There's a place for everything, and everything has its place, I would say to the mockers. It was a school night, and I was pretty tired, so I decided to go to sleep around 9 o'clock. I was reclining in my waterbed, reading an old Louis L'Amour book that my father had in his collection, until I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. I turned off the lamp that was on my headboard bookshelf and quickly fell asleep. My family lived in a two-story house, and my room was on the second floor. There was a set of stairs that led to my sister's room on the right and an open hallway that led to my room on the left. My sister did not have a door attached to the frame, but I had a plain wooden one attached to mine, and I liked to sleep with it open at night. I would sleep with the fan on, too, because I was an extremely light sleeper and otherwise would wake up in every slight noise. I was sound asleep when I was suddenly awakened by a bright light. I sat up in my bed and looked at the brilliance pouring into my room from the hallway. What the heck, I thought. Then I heard my sister's voice as she huffed up the stairs, making sure she stamped her full weight down on each step to get the full effect of the reverberation. Even with the fan on, there was no sleeping through this. I was pissed. I got out of my bed, walked over to the bedroom door, and yelled at my sister. You can turn the light off, you know. You're not the only one who lives here. I added a few brotherly insults as well, but when she tried to respond, I slammed the bedroom door shut. She had nothing to say that I wanted to hear. I stumbled back over to my bed and plopped down. My weight caused the water in the bed to rock back and forth. It took me a few minutes to cool down, but at least my bedroom was dark now. I could fall asleep at last. Or so I thought. I closed my eyes and drifted off. The next thing I remember is that I sensed something in the room while I was in a dead sleep. My eyes were open and something was moving towards me, a shadow about three or four feet off the ground and only five feet away moved towards me. I screamed aloud and grabbed the blanket, pulled it over my head, and cowered under the covers. I could hear the noise of the fan and my heart pounding at an incredible rate in my ear, but nothing else. I waited for a hand to grab the covers and rip the blanket away, exposing me to whatever horror was lurking in my bedroom. I struggled to control my autonomic functions, straining to hear whatever assaulted me over my breathing and heart rate. Was it moving? Did it hear me scream? Why didn't it attack? I tried to convince myself that it was just my imagination. Maybe I was sleeping and I dreamt that I saw a figure coming at me. My eyes were definitely open when I saw it, though. Maybe it was just an object in my room. Maybe the birthday balloon made its way in front of the fan and was propelled towards me. That had to be what it was. I tried to think of every rational possibility that excluded a black hooded figure writhing at me in the dark. Eventually, my heart rate decreased and my breathing slowed. Even if it was my imagination or just a balloon, I was far from sleeping now after such a fright. Fifteen or twenty minutes passed and I was finally convinced that there was a logical explanation. I just needed to settle down and try to go back to sleep. Suddenly, I felt a heavy jolt by my feet as the waterbed moved. 
something sat or jumped on the end of my bed. If I wasn't freaking out before, I was definitely freaking out now. This I was not imagining, and I didn't know what to do. I thought of screaming out for my parents, but what if the thing attacked me as I was yelling? Maybe it was just my imagination again, or it was just my leg jolting, but I was wide awake. Whatever rational explanation that I had for the shadow was now completely gone. Then, I began to hear a strange and frightful noise coming from the edge of my bed. It was an evil, demonic panting, like an out-of-breath dog with a demonic growl. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. What was going on? A couple things went through my mind as to what I should do at that moment. I could quickly pull the covers off and make a run for the door. I did not know what terror was sitting at the end of my bed, and it might paralyze me making me its victim. I could yell out to my parents, but who was going to come running up to the bedroom of a 17-year-old because they heard a scream? They might not even hear me. One of the more unconventional thoughts I had was to kick the beast and see if it responds. Probably not the smartest thing to do. I had to take action because my heart was pounding and this thing was still panting at the edge of my bed. I shouted out to the menace. In the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here. I don't know if I startled it or if by some wizardry the incantation worked, but it stopped its incessant breathing and there was silence in the room. I wondered what to do next. Did it disappear? Was it waiting for me to move so it could pounce on me? Did I just give away my hiding spot by talking to it? I remained under my blanket for ten minutes, considering my actions, when I finally mustered up the courage to turn on the light above my bed. If I could just turn the light on, then I knew in my mind that this demon would flee. I slowly reached my hand out from the safety of the blanket and wrapped my fingers around the lamp's knob, turning it until the light came on. The room was illuminated, chasing away this scary darkness and my fear along with it. I cautiously pulled the blanket down from over my head and looked down at the end of my bed. I was half expecting to see some strange creature, witch, or gray alien staring back at me with big, almond-shaped eyes. The other half of me was expecting to see some logical creature like my dog or cat sitting there, panting away. I saw neither. I saw nothing. I swung my legs out of the bed and looked around the room. There was nothing in my room that could have made the noise. My door was still closed, so I jumped out of my bed and thought, my cat, it had to be my cat. If it was him, then he was still in the room. The only way in or out was through the door, and it was still closed. I tore my room apart looking for him. Nothing. I searched my closet and found no trace. I searched my room and my mind for a logical explanation because I did not want to believe the supernatural one. With no trace of the cat in my room, I opened the door and looked in the hallway. Nothing. I walked down the steps to where my father was sitting on the couch watching the television with our golden lab laying next to him. I concluded that it could not have been the dog. I looked at the clock on the VCR and it read 1114. I thought all this scary stuff happened after midnight. My father was puzzled as to why I was wandering downstairs at this hour. I looked at him and asked, 
Did you see Scruffy run down here? Did he run across the room or anything? Scruffy was the name of our all-white American short-hair cat. No, he replied. That doesn't make any sense, so I asked him another question. Did you hear me scream upstairs? No, why, what happened? He pulled his eyes away from the TV for a brief moment to make sure I wasn't dismembered. When he was satisfied that I wasn't missing a limb, he continued watching the tube. Nothing, I said. I didn't know how to explain it, so I figured it was best to just not even try. I went back upstairs to my room and kept the door open. I walked over to my bed and got under the covers, leaving the light from the lamp above my bed on all night. I didn't think that I would be able to sleep in the dark, so I lay there looking at the ceiling and wondering what happened. Was I visited by an alien being? Was it a ghost or a supernatural visitor? Whatever it was, it seemed to react to the name of Jesus Christ. Interesting, I thought. There must be power in the name of Jesus. Even though I did not fully understand the implications of a true faith in the Messiah, it was the only thing that I knew to do. Somehow, I just knew that if there was an evil entity present, there must be an all-powerful being that could counteract it. I put my mustard-sized faith in the name of Jesus Christ, and it drove the entity away. After years of studying supernatural phenomenon and experiencing many of my own, I came to the conclusion that the most powerful deterrent to demons and hauntings is trusting in the name and having faith in the person of Jesus Christ. We see that miracles, signs, and wonders are performed in the name of Jesus, demons were expelled in the name of Jesus, and every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth at the name of Jesus. There is a story in the book of Acts about how some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists were going around using the name of Jesus to exorcise demons in Jewish towns. In chapter 19, seven sons of Sceva decide to use it. Their mistake was that they put the emphasis on a person rather than relying on the name itself. Jesus in whom Paul preaches. And the demon responds, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then proceeds to terrorize them. I did not understand the supernatural realm, demonology, or the dangers of dabbling. The forces of darkness did not care how much or how little I knew about them. They don't differentiate between a paranormal investigator and a teenager yielding to horror movies as entertainment, a professional medium, or a kid playing with a Ouija board. We are all the same to them, powerless prey. On the other hand, I knew very little about Jesus at that time. Only what I had learned in Sunday school, and apparently it was enough to ward off beings that are immensely more powerful than humans. There is no amount of sage, crystals, chantings, or salt that will deter these entities. No psychic, medium, or witch doctor has the ability to deal with such beings. Only the name of Jesus Christ will work. Anyone can do it. I did it. And this thing, whatever it was, never returned to my room again. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss one of our podcasts. Email us at dudescampingstories at gmail.com.
with your own stories or just to give us your feedback. Our next story was told to me by a realtor in Arizona. I was expecting another alien abduction story, but what I got was a Bigfoot in Utah. What a beautiful piece of land, I thought as we hiked to the top of a mountainous hill overlooking miles of open land in Arizona. There is nothing like being able to see long distances for clearing the mind and refreshing the spirit, and this piece of desert land was for sale. I had driven two and a half hours to a ranch in Arizona because I was interested in property that was isolated, quiet, and scenic. I wanted to be able to set up a tent and have a campfire anytime I wanted, and this was the perfect place. It was the third lot we looked at and wasn't too rugged, nor was it too plain. It had pinyon pine and juniper trees spread across the landscape and plenty of space to create hiking trails, camping spots, and even homestead foundations. The guy showing me the land was not your usual realtor. He was a tall, ex-marine with a no-BS attitude and a Colt revolver sticking out of the holster in his belt. Before he would put a ranch up for sale, he told me he would walk the entire property to get a feel for the terrain. Then he would find a spot to sleep out for the night. I asked him, has anything ever bothered you at night? I was really trying to covertly ask him if he ever experienced anything weird or creepy, but he seemed so rational that I didn't want to sound like an idiot. Well, you'll hear coyotes and occasionally a javelina if you're lucky. One morning, I was sleeping on the bed of my truck with my arm hanging out the back, and I woke up to a huge elk licking my hand. I stayed real still until he walked away. That's about it. This guy probably didn't even believe in UFOs. He told me that he had been sent to Vietnam as an advisor in 1961, before the poop really hit the fan. He didn't really expound upon his experience, as most vets will usually keep these things to themselves unless they are talking to other vets. To me, he was just a salt-of-the-earth, practical guy that liked living away from the city and breathing clean air. He probably wasn't concerned about anything unless it was shooting at him. He seemed to be the last person on Earth that would make up a story about aliens in Arizona, so I boldly pressed the question. Have you ever seen any UFO activity out here, or on any of the ranches, weird lights, or cattle mutilations? If I was going to buy a large chunk of land in the middle of nowhere, I'd better be sure I'm not going to end up as an Arizona probe specimen like Travis Walton. He seemed indifferent about the question. He kept looking forward, and without breaking his long stride, he simply said, Nope, I haven't seen anything like that out here. Good, I thought, a trustworthy, reliable source confirming that this is not a hotbed for UFO activity. I'll tell you what I did see, though. He continued, as if just remembering something. Oh, no. If UFO activity and alien abductions didn't even get a blink out of this guy, I wondered what terror would make him uneasy enough to bring it up as a strange account. Was he about to tell me of some Lovecraft monster that lurked around the grounds? I was curious. What's that? I said. He began to tell me this story, and from anyone else, 
I would hardly believe it. But because of his manner, and he didn't seem to have any guile in him, I believe every word of it. When I was living up in Utah several years ago, me and my wife owned about 200 acres, 35 miles from the nearest town. We had a double-wide trailer installed on the top of a hill that overlooked the entire property, similar to this one. He motioned to the hill that we were now climbing down at a steep decline. My wife wanted a porch, so we built one that was eight feet wide and faced west so we could sit and watch the sunset. It was absolutely beautiful. I really loved that property. Well, why did you leave? I asked. Because it was a small Mormon community, and if you weren't Mormon, you couldn't get serviced. You were pretty much an outcast. Well, that sucks, I replied. It wasn't so much because they were Mormon, though, he said. I'm guessing it would be similar if a community had a long history of generational Catholics or Muslims or atheists, for that matter. I nodded in agreement. They just happened to be Mormons. Anyway, he continued. I would drive into town once a week to get supplies from a local goods store. The owner was one of the nice fellas in town that would tolerate outsiders, and his store was right next to the barber shop. So I would sit and chat with the locals, get news and gossip, while I waited for my order to be filled by the supplier, and then load it in my truck and head out to my property. Well, one morning, I got up early enough to watch the sunrise from behind our trailer, and it cast a long shadow over our entire property. I sat on the porch with my wife. She was reading a book while I just watched the shadow slowly move towards our home as the sun rose, enjoying a hot cup of coffee. The shadow was creeping up towards us when I noticed movement through the tree line at the boundary of our property. The way our porch sat, we could see the entire 200 acres of land. The trees were spaced out, so we would normally see wildlife if it came wandering onto our estate. I moved my eyes from watching the shadow to a dark-colored animal about 250 yards away from where we sat. It was pretty big, and from that distance, I thought it was an elk at first. I watched this thing move a little bit, then look closer. It looked like an elk, all right, except it was walking upright, standing on its hind legs. What? I asked him. Was it a Bigfoot? Well, he said partially, I'm not sure what I saw. I just know that when I looked closer and I watched this thing walk, it was no elk. It had long arms that made me think it was an elk at first, like they were front legs, but they were swinging at its side like a human might walk if he were taking big steps. What did you do? I asked, quite curious about this thing now. I turned to my wife and I said, Do you see that thing down there? She said, Yes. Does that look like an elk to you? I asked. She put her book down and squinted to try and see it better. Then she got this puzzled look on her face. What the heck? She said. I know, I told her. That looks like a big hairy man walking on our property. Her and I watched this thing for a good 20 minutes. It walked from one side of our land to the other side and then disappeared. What did you do then? I asked. Nothing. I finished my coffee and went about my day. I wasn't about to go chasing some giant gorilla across my property. I laughed at the comical visual this gave me. I went into town later that day and stopped at the goods store to get my supplies. 
While I was waiting, I told the guys at the barber shop, you are not going to believe what I saw on my property this morning. I told them the story and they just laughed at me, not because they didn't believe the story, but because they did. One of them turned to me and said, yup, you saw Squatch. Apparently, people in this area have Bigfoot sightings all the time. It was like a rite of passage for the townsfolk to see Squatch. They called him Squatch? Yeah, like he was a local celebrity or a regular in the barbershop. Wow, I said. What a story. Turns out that there were no Bigfoot or UFO stories from the property that I ended up purchasing in Arizona, not yet at least. But every time I go to the top of my mountainous hill that overlooks 20 acres on one side and 20 on the other, I keep my eyes open in case I catch some movement down below. Maybe a hairy elk walking upright, or a giant ape sauntering across the BLM land, or maybe Squatch taking a morning stroll, outcast from the Mormon community, just looking for a place where he belongs. Thanks for listening to Scary But True Campfire Stories presented by Dudes Camping. Narrated by Matthew S. Newbold. You can purchase audiobooks from Matthew S. Newbold on Audible and iTunes. Visit Matthew Newbold Music on Facebook or Dudes Camping on YouTube and Facebook. Any character's likeness is pure coincidence. If you were offended or angered by the use of the name Jesus Christ, then you yourself might be a creepy night visitor. Until next time, we will see you around the campfire.